Okay, good morning, family. Hey, happy welcome, oh, happy welcome home Sunday. We are so glad you guys are here. So um, just to clarify, my hair with what happened in COVID was a lot of things felt out of our control. Anybody felt like things were out of control during certain parts in the last two years? Amen, me too. One of the, my ways of coping was saying, you know what, I'm going to control my hair. Like, I'm not going to cut it. And my wife told me it's time to get a haircut. And I said, no. Everybody else in the world is telling me what to do. Don't let me have this one thing, right? Let me have my hair. This is all I want. And I realized that it, biblically, there's some biz, biblical uh, truth to having long hair. John the Baptist and Samson both had long hair because they were Nazarites and they took a pledge that their holiness was, depart, was dependent on how long their hair was. And I was like, amen, I'm one of those, you know? So I took this pledge and I took it and um, I told my wife, because she kept, Meg was like, hey, when are you cutting your hair? And I said, when the pandemic's over. And then all of a sudden, all these mandates start coming down. She's like, oh, so what, two weeks? And I was like, what? So anyway, what we decided was, hey, we're a church community. We want your spiritual input on everything. So if you have the app, I'm, I'm not taking verbal votes. Only if you vote on the app, my hair is in your hands. So I'm trusting you with this. So next week... Whatever the poll results are on the app, you'll see what happens next week. <laughs> but thanks for engaging with, with this. But hey, I want to say welcome home. I want to say, um, too, to highlight today, there's a lot of little things that we've kind of started re-piecing back together starting today with these mandates kind of going off the map. One of them is that Joanne and her team are cooking a delicious meal for us. Can we just give them a round of applause? This has been a service. This has been like her heart's passion and her team do an amazing job. And we've done this for years, like 12 or 15 years almost. We've been doing this, but COVID made us have to stop. Um, and so this is like, we're like, yes, it's coming back. So just huge mahalo to Auntie Joanne, Loretta, and everyone else on the team um, for feeding our opus and feeding our spirits through our opus this morning. But I want to um, see, I've, I've noticed something. Today we're celebrating a, a sense of freedom that we're seeing happen in the government level where masks and vaccine mandates are coming down. But we're seeing all of us are feeling a little bit more at ease, I think, because of it. There's a spiritual freedom that's coming with what we're seeing happening around us. Does that make sense? There's a physical reality to the freedom and there's a spiritual reality to the freedom too. And so I want to just really make it clear. With the mask mandates and stuff going out, we are saying very clearly... It is your kuleana. It is your call. If you want to keep wearing masks and keeping distance, that is, we're fully supportive of you. Our big thing is when you're in our ohana, you're ohana. Amen? So if you like wearing masks, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. But we just want to just um, utilize the freedom that God has given us in this season and come back, back to normal. One of the things that we had in prayer circle this morning, an interesting time, is we forever, for 15 years, we gather and we hold hands and we pray in a really tight circle right before service every morning. It's really beautiful. But during the last two years, we spread and made the circle real big and social distance. And so we realized this morning, we're like, oh, wait, can we hold hands again? And everyone's like, yeah, I think so. So we kind of slowly crept together and held hands. And I realized there's still a lot of readjusting that needs to happen to kind of go back to the way things, to back to normal, yeah? And one of the ways that... Um, one of the ways that God put on my heart this week was that, hey, people, come, even coming back to church, there's an adjustment. For many of us, we've been gone for a while, and we're coming back, and we're trying to get into that habit again. And so today's, the heart of um, the word today is God's heart for a spiritual community. Why this is important, and all of us, no matter where we are, 
are living under the grace of readjusting to what that might look like. Amen? So like Kainoa, echo Kainoa, I am so grateful that we're here, that everybody's here, that we're part of this community together. Now, one of the things, talking about readjustment and reintegrating, one of the interesting things is when people come um, from the continent and they move here, it's always fun-funny fun seeing how people kind of um, walk into uh, protocol and like they, they see Hawaii is different. The idiosyncrasies in Hawaii are different than the mainland. So people come here and they try to adjust and just, it's funny kind of watching the process, but I love it seeing people kind of persevere and understanding that Hawaii is a little bit different, yeah? So you ever, everybody been to an auntie or an uncle's house before and they have these kind of rules of the house, yeah? Like when you come uncle's house, you got to do this. When you go auntie's house, you got to do this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You have, there's, there's house rules, yeah, in Hawaii. So what I want to do is kind of talk about some of the house rules in Hawaii because I was reading, I was thinking through some of them and I was like, oh, there are some spiritual lessons to be learned in these things too. You guys ready? So we're, let's go together and let's walk through these because the first one is this. Your first house rule coming back to church is leave your slippers at the door. Anybody have a hard time adjusting to this one when they move to Hawaii? <laughs> it's hard. And my, from what I gather, this comes from like Japanese tradition when the plantations came the Japanese workers took them off, and when they're working on the fields and they come in, people are like, oh, how come your house is so clean? <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's because they take their shoes off before they go inside. And so Hawaii's kind of adopted this, this principle of take your slippers off at the door. And I wanted to make this really clear. There's a spiritual principle to this too, that when you come into the church, that this is holy ground. Not because you or I are holy, but because the presence of God is here. And so there's something, whenever we come to the community, we leave something at the door. Amen? There's stuff that we leave at the door, and there's oftentimes things that we don't even come to church because we don't like to take our slippers off. Yeah? So let me put an example this way. There are some things that we feel like if we bring to church, we're going to make church dirty. And I don't know if you felt like this. I have. I feel like if I'm in a certain sin that, oh, I cannot go to church today. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling a, a little bit. I've been doing this stuff this last week, and it's not my best self. Yeah? Or maybe you've thought of this. Oh, I can't go to church this week because I've been out for like three months and I don't want to go back and like face people being like, where have you been, right? So we're like, oh, if I've been away for so long, you know, the shame of coming back can be really hard too. But this is what it means spiritually is when we leave our slippers at the door, we leave our guilt and we leave our shame at the door and remember that the house of God, everyone is welcome all the time, amen? That there is a grace in this house that you can come with whatever you did this last week and you're free to worship here. You can be struggling with anything going on in your life and you're still free to be here in our community, Amen? So you leave our slippers at the door, meaning we leave behind the things that are keeping us out of the presence of a godly family. We take our slippers off and we're like, you know what, I'm going to enter into this place of grace. Amen? We are a family that wants to love you the way the Lord loves you. And even when we make that mistake, we, we mess that up because we're imperfect people, we ask that this place would be so filled with grace that there's no, sh no shame, no judgment, no condemnation, that when you come to the house of God, you are free to be yourself if you're famous or faceless, if you're rich or poor, if you get a shirt or if you don't have a shirt, come and worship. Amen? Can we, can we be a, a, people, a house of grace here this morning? Amen. Let's do that. House of grace. So anybody can come. Don't ever feel that you're not good enough, that you're too sinful, that you're too shameful to come into the house of God. Amen? They're all, it's all, doors are always open. We love you guys. We love seeing everybody come through these doors. The next one is this. So that's right when you get to auntie's house. Number one, number two is this. Don't come empty-handed. How many of you guys know when you go uncle and auntie's house, you better bring something? Yeah, if you go potluck, you better bring something. Yeah, that's how we get, it's how it goes. 
This is a community of grace. And so you come as you are, but you think about the people there. Think about a spiritual potluck happening at church every week. What can you bring to the spiritual potluck? There's something that God has given you to bring. And I tell you what, me and Meg are so resourceful because when we get invited over to stuff, we always forget. We're like, shoot, we should be bringing something. We always forget to. We go through our cupboards. We're like, oh, here's a box of cookies. Here's this. We put a ribbon on it and make it look like we actually tried, right? Anybody ever do that? I'm just being real. You guys, I know some, guaranteed you guys have been secondhand gifting it, these kind of things. But here's the point. Everyone here has something to contribute. And so don't come, no aku birds here. No come swoop, grab, and get out of here. You come and you give. Come be a part. Amen? And whether that's we come full, we come to the Lord and say, Lord, take our money. We give to the Lord with our money. We give to the Lord with our time, our service, everything. Because he's worth it. In this community and the, the mission of God existing within our church and all the churches on island, it's worth it. It's worth investing in. Amen? And there's this... Um, yeah, we'll get to that later. But don't come empty-handed. Come and bring something. Even if you don't know what that looks like, bring a plant from your garden and try it. say, hey, I brought a plant. Anybody like plants? If you get extra baby clothes, bring your baby clothes. Maybe someone could use them. If there's anything, bring the churches a place where you can bring something for the community. Amen? Be creative with it. Just bring something. Bring yourself. Don't come empty-handed. Think about the people and how you can bless people here. Number three is this one. You got to aloha everyone in the room. This is one thing. People, it's a hard one for people to gather when they come to Hawaii. When you come to Hawaii, if you come into a room, you got to greet everybody, right? You don't just kind of come and sit in the corner and be like, hi, guys, I'm here. No, you get up. Even if you're interrupting, you get up, you hug, you kiss, you give, say hello to everyone. You aloha everybody. This is what it means spiritually when you come into the church. You aloha. You don't have to go literally to everybody. That might be kind of hard. But make yourself available to talk story and be known. Don't kind of come in, sit in the back and leave, but actually kind of come in and be present and welcome people. Amen? Make aloha the, the, the thing in our hearts that drives relationships. The next one is this. Stay a while. Talk story. We get food coming back. You get no excuse. No, why are you leaving right after church? Stay and talk story. If we're going to be a true spiritual community, we have to be a people that know each other. <laughs> yeah, and talk story and pray together. And so stay a while. Talk story. Don't be the person kind of like always itching to leave. You know, they're always looking at their clock like, oh, when, when can I go? When can I go? Just be present. Stay here. Talk story. Let us get to know you and, and vice versa. Amen. Does that make sense? Cool. Everybody tracking? Cool. And then the last one is, is this. You know, whenever you go to somebody's house, like potluck or whatever it is, Take a plate home for somebody. When you come, you come bringing something, your hands are full, and you leave with something to take to somebody else. Amen? So spiritually, when you come and you hear the word of God, or if God's encouraged your spirit, or if God has given you a word for somebody else, if he's given you a prayer for somebody else, make sure you don't come to church and leave empty-handed. You come and you take something to bless somebody else. Amen? So whether it's in your family, whether it's in your friendship or your work groups, You've, there's something here you can take outward. Like think about Auntie when they wrap the tin foils and they're like, no, take three or four. You, know, you notice they never say, oh, here, take extra plates for you tomorrow. It's always like, oh, take them for your kids. Take them for your wife. Take them for your family. You always take leftovers home for other people. Does that make sense? Isn't it crazy? The protocol in Hawaii, how, how spiritual it is. It's amazing. So one of the things that we want to just reintegrating back into this house is be a people who are so driven by the Holy Spirit, his mission in Kailua. The mission is in Kailua as it is in heaven. We want to see heaven more real in Kailua and on this island 
than ever before. And we believe New Hope Kailua's calling is to be a part of that through every single one of our blessing and gifts and strengths. But COVID did something to us. And I don't know if you realize this, but COVID was an outright attack on a lot of things. We, we kind of got caught up in the freedom side of it and all this stuff. It was an attack on community. This is where what happened. The enemy was at work trying to use legislation and all these things to keep us from integrating as God has called us to be, which is one. He's called us to be one people, one church, one bride, one spirit, one baptism, all of us under one God. Amen? And so with the physical distancing, with not letting people into our house, with everything going digital, we have been become one of the most connected digitally communities of all time, but one of the most removed connected people of all time. Isn't that ironic? That we can network more, but the intimacy of our relationships has decreased. We've been, we feel less connected. And what, we, what do we call this when we feel less connected to people? We call it lonely. Yeah? So interestingly enough, Mother Teresa says it this way. She says, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Is there truth to that? Leprosy is the lo- le- loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. This is what keeps people from experiencing the true life of God, is our own sense of loneliness. And God gave us the answer to loneliness. He st- it started in Genesis. He said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give him a wife. And she's going to help him do what God has called humanity to do. They need each other to rely on each other to do it together. And so COVID has been, what we're celebrating today is that COVID uh, still lingers, right? The disease, but as the, the mandates come down, as we can start walking more into freedom, the freedom is to be free to be community again. Amen? Anybody receive that? We have the freedom to be community again, and it's going to take practice, it's going to take intentionality, but we're walking in that direction together. I want to show you something really quick. There's, this is from a government, oh, there it is. This is a government stat. So over the last two years, the low line there is the, the bottom line, and it might be hard to read. The bottom line is depression, the middle line is anxiety, and the top is either. So people who experience depression or anxiety during COVID, the bottom one was it peaked at, you know, it looks like um, 2020 to 2021, it peaked at about 30%. That's depression. Anxiety peaked at about 35%. If it's one or the other, it's about 45% of the population. Half of our population of our country had mental health issues because of what happened in the last two years. So what's the solution then? Is the solution then, like, is it a government legislation? What could it be? I believe God has given us the solution in the church. And he says, it's community. Because at the root of both depression and anxiety is this core driver of loneliness. We have been lonely. We have felt isolated, removed. We've lost our sense of purpose. We've lost our sense of connectivity. We've lost our sense of value and love from one another. As a people, generally speaking, And so here we are now trying to regain that and say, hey, community is here. We can walk towards this together. And if you have been experiencing these things in the last two years, we are praying for full healing of that, of mental health things, because we believe God is good enough to heal every bit of anxiety and depression that's lingered within us in the last two years. And God is moving ahead and doing something new. Amen? Anybody believing me with me on that one? Amen. Cool. You guys can talk today. It's cool too. 
Cool, just checking. So I want to read it, Acts 2. Here's a vision of, of our spiritual community. So this, this spiritual ohana, that the Bible says that we've all been adopted into this spiritual family. It says this, that they devoted themselves, these, this family, these apostles, they've adopted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, which just means cruising, hanging out, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, meaning they shared everything. When they got together, there's a communalness to it where they're like, hey, this isn't mine. If you need it, it's yours. Full giving mode. They were dedicated. They were vested into that community. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that awesome? That community was the process by which God was growing his kingdom. That as community grew, we fellowshiped, we ate together, we did these things together, we came and had intimate relationship together as a people, God made the numbers grow. He said, that is what attracts people, is you're different the way that you find meaning and purpose in community in this life, even in hard times. We mentioned it last week, that the thing about the church is we can grow when we're attached to the vine, it can be a drought season, but we can still bear fruit, because that community is the, is the attachment that we're, where we find ourselves attached to Jesus. And he makes his fruit bear through us. Amen? So I want to go through a couple truths. Number one is this. Real simple. Number one, you and I need spiritual community. Have you thought of that yourself? Do you need, if, you, if I asked you this morning, do you need a spiritual community? You might be like, eh, what for? <laughs> What's the point? Uh, I, that can be like the kind, yeah? That can be like uh, my friends. That's one spiritual community, right? I can just hang out with my one friend who's a Christian. That's a spiritual community, right? But this, here's, it's a real question. Do you recognize that you can't do this faith alone? You can't have a thriving, flourishing life by yourself. You need people around you to help make that happen. The Bible preaches this over and over, and we keep this at the front burner in our church because we believe it's real. We need spiritual community. Barna did a poll with Christians. I love this. Barna did a poll with Christians. They said there's four different ways. If you could pick one of these four different ways to be discipled, right, to, be, to teach and learn the ways of Jesus, how would you prefer discipleship? Number one, in a large group setting, like big churches, big stadiums, conferences, that kind of thing. Number two, small groups. I'd love to learn about Jesus and walking in his ways in smaller groups. Number three was just individually one-on-one with like a pastor or something like that. And number four was by myself. I want to be a disciple, just, just me, just by myself. 38% of Christians said, by myself. Isn't that interesting? You can't, here's the thing. You can't be discipled by yourself. This is, the Bible doesn't point in that direction. You can't. You can't spend your time at the beach and become more like Jesus. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. I need you to sharpen me just as much as you need I to sharpen. We need to sharpen each other. That's the point. Amen? And the Bible talks about this. So here's a great verse. Um, that communicates. Actually, before that, here's a great quote from a book. Um, this book called um, Slow Church. A couple of um, Christian authors wrote it, um, Christopher Smith and John Passon. It's a beautiful book about walking in the pace of Jesus. They said this, that spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. Where you're going to grow as a follower of Christ is going to happen in the context of community. Long-term interpersonal relationships 
are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. I love how they said that. People who stay, stay in community, grow. People who leave, do not grow. It is a simple but profound biblical reality that we both grow and thrive together or we do not much, grow much at all. Is this crazy? Either you and I are doing this together or else it's not happening at all. This, uh, this is the, the biblical posture. Either you and I truly need each other to be more like Christ or else growth is just going to be stunted. So I love the, the way they put it. I love that word crucible that they used, right? Um, I had to Google it. I'm like, what is a crucible? So the long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. And a crucible is a situation or of a severe trial in which different elements interact leading to the creation of something new. Think of it this way. When life gets hard and all these things are thrown at you, that the heat of all that's happening around you bursts into something new. This is the vision that it's giving. Isn't this what COVID has been happening? That all these things are adding together and God is trying to birth something new. Alyssa said it this morning prophetically in worship. God is bringing a new wine. He wants to do something new. And he's using what's happened in the last two years to do that. Amen? I believe it. So another quote, really quick. A guy named Ronald Roheiser says this, because these guys say it much more eloquently than I do. He says, wait for it. Oh, you guys have so much suspense right now. (laughs) Spiritual. I'll just read it out loud. So it says this. It says that part of the very essence of Christianity is to be together in a concrete community with all the real human faults that are there and the tensions that will bring us, that this will bring us. Spirituality for a Christian, can never be an individualistic quest. The pursuit of God outside of community, family, and church. The God of incarnation tells us that anyone who says he or she loves an invisible God in heaven and is unwilling to deal with a visible neighbor on earth is a liar since no one can love God who cannot be seen if he cannot love a neighbor who can be seen. This is out of 1 John. He's referencing a passage in 1 John. He says this, hence the Christian spirituality is always as much about dealing with each other as it is about dealing with God. Isn't that true? How do we learn to love God? We learn to love each other. These two things are intricately related. And so we got to figure out how to do this better. We got to come together as a community and see how God might want to put the puzzle pieces together so you and I might have a flourishing community. Let me ask you this question. This is an honest question. You don't have to raise your hand if you feel shame. How many of us come to church longing for a genuine sense of community? If we're honest with it. Many of us. Amen. This is a real need. And so I feel like this is what God might be calling us to is we're so awesome seeing what Hamana Groups is doing and we're doing community stuff and we're focusing outward. But all of these things should be stirring up an intimate sense of community where we love each other, where we work well together, and we die for one another, ultimately as Christ has called us to. So take a look at... um, Romans 1. Romans 1 says this. Oh, went the wrong way. Romans 1 says, I long, this is Paul talking, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Isn't that amazing? What's the longing of Paul's heart isn't just to make you better in the faith, 
but it's to give you wisdom, that those spiritual gifts that have been imparted to me, to give them to you so that you can encourage me the same way I'm encouraging you. Do you understand that? This is how faith works. So it's not a one-way street. We don't come to church to learn and to hear. Like, I know it's hard. We stand on a pulpit and we preach the word and the word comes out and it doesn't go back void. But at the same time, even for us as pastors, we need encouragement from you guys. We need love from you guys. We need wisdom. There was stuff we were going to do today on Sunday that our staff was like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> we were going to do a mask burning. No, I'm just kidding. But this is, this is the kind of stuff. We need each other to sharpen our thinking, to sharpen our hearts, to ask the right questions. Hey, is that the right spirit? Are you, are you coming off with the right tone? Um, I'll tell you what, there's a situation that I had lately where um, another pastor, with another pastor who was doing all kinds of stuff, and I was like looking at the situation from the outside, and I was like, Oh, who's this guy think he is doing all this kind of stuff, right? He's one pastor. I'm one pastor too, bro. You're going to ruin it for the rest of us. You keep doing this kind of stuff. That's how I was thinking. So what I did is I went and talked to like three different friends. I was like, bro, what you think about this guy? What you think about this guy? What you... My heart was all wrong. My heart was all sour, yeah? And what happened was instead of going to him and talking to him about it, I went and talked to three other people, and he heard that I was talking to those three people. And so guess what? He no like talk to me now. You know what I mean? And so now I got to swallow my pride and be like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have come to you first. And here's where I'm coming from, right? But there takes this humility that if we're going to sharpen each other, we have to deal with the messiness that is community. Here's a paradigm for you. Where you and I live in with community stuff is we live between the ideal and the reality of the messiness. And that's where growth is. So we pursue the ideal community. We read the Bible and we're like, oh, that community's nuts. Everyone is dying for each other, giving each other everything, giving all their money to the church. Like, this is crazy. But then that's the ideal. But then we live in this messy reality where relationships are messy. You might feel judged or pressured. We, may, we bring our own insecurities to the table and we mess things up. All of this kinds of stuff. But it's as we live in the messiness of the reality and we pursue the ideal that Jesus does something in our hearts that says, you're growing you see it. You see my heart. You see the vision for my people. And as Pastor Rick shared this morning, God loves it when his children share together, not just when one of them shares. Amen? So this is the reality. So number two brings us to the second point, truth about our spiritual community, a spiritual ohana, is that we need to recognize how our vision of community has been skewed. This is like one of the biggest struggles that we do in Christendom is that in this living between the ideal and the messy reality, we come to church oftentimes as consumers. And this is truth, and this is me too. This isn't, a, this isn't condemnation on anybody or whatever, the way we think about church. But we ask this question, am I being fed? Am I getting something out of this? Is this good for me? Does this meet my preferences? And oftentimes when people church hop, and if you're in here and you're looking for churches, my two cents is don't make a list of saying, here's all my box that the church needs to feed my needs. Look for a place that says, God, draw me to your community where I can be of service to you, where I'm going to best serve you. Amen? This is a godly calling to the community. So oftentimes we checklist stuff, and as soon as the church stops fixing check marks or whatever, we're like, ah, I'll go try another one. And we shop. <laughs> yeah? And this is just, this is, I'm not just, again, the kind. This is all of us. We're all part of this. But one of the things that, um, that God has been stirring in my heart is to ask this question, what is it that's keeping us from fully engaging as a community the way the Bible, the ideal reality that we get from the Bible is begging of us? And most of the time we live in this, we live in a very individualistic versus communal society. 
Yeah, you guys have heard this. So when we, when we think of things, what's good for the society, I think, what's my need first? How can I get my need? And when I have overflow, I'll help somebody else. This is our, this is our paradigm. Or if you go to Japan or other communal countries, they'll say the opposite. They'll say, how can I serve other people? And in giving to other people what they need, I trust that my needs will be given back. Does that make sense? So both have the same goal, that everyone's needs would be taken care of. One is, says, me first, then everybody second. The other one says, everybody else first, then me second. Guess what Jesus says? He's, Jesus says this. He says, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, you're going to be the servant. You're going to be the one thinking about other people before yourself. So this is, a, this is an adapting. Uh, there's, there's adapting that we need in our hearts to be there. Amen? You guys tracking? So check out this. Um, I love this. This was a... I saw this from another pastor. It's a, a vow from a, a random, uh, not so random, it's a pretty big monastery. It's a Catholic church, but it's in um, Iowa. And it talks about this idea of remaining, committing to the community. He says this, that we vow to remain all our life with our local community. We live together, pray together, work together, relax together. We give up the temptation to move from place to place in search of the ideal situation. Ultimately, there's no escape from oneself, and the idea that things would be better someplace else is usually an illusion. And when the interpersonal conflicts arise, conflicts arise, we have a great incentive to work things out and restore peace. This means, amen, so this means learning the practices of love acknowledging one's own offensive behavior and giving up one's preferences for giving. Amen? What a vow <laughs> to take. That it's not about me, that God has called me to a place that he has a vision for me that's bigger than my own preferences. Everybody tracking here? Because this is okay. This is, is this okay? This is for all of us. I remember a story. Many of you guys remember her. Um, we prayed when Meg and I first came to New Hope Kailua, um, this is 2012. There was nobody in their mid-20s. We were the only two people. Our natural inclination was to be like, we're going to go find where there's people our age. This is all of us. We kind of get into consumer mode. This is before I was pastoring. And we felt, and I, and I was confirmed when, when Meg and I talked about it, I was confirmed through her more because it was my dad was the pastor and, and we didn't want to kind of, we wanted to honor him, but we also were kind of figuring out where's best for us. And she's like, no, you know what? I think God's calling us to stay here. And I was like, okay. It's family, and we fell in love with all of the core people who have been a part of our church. We're like, this is a great community. But over the years, we did struggle. Like, man, I really wish there was someone. We had babies. There's nobody really our age, but God would bring people in for seasons at a time who would bless us and be dear friends with us in this church over the years. I remember one specifically, you guys might remember Kristen Aperfine, and when God brought her to our community, she was roughly our age. I, this is when we had about five or six people in youth group, um, Brian and Alyssa were in high school, and so we're like, we want to really like launch this. I know it was a long time ago. So we're like, we really want to get a, a youth ministry going. We didn't have much going on for youth ministry, and she stayed week after week, and we kind of went over to her, and we're like, oh, hey, are you sticking around a while? <laughs> like, are you going to be here? And she's like, yeah, you know what? I was just, I was moved to Island. I worked, she worked at Sea Life Park with the Dolphins. That's totally her personality, like amazing personality, and she's like, you know what? I was praying about it, and I don't know why, but God says, this is your family. Stay here. And she listened to the voice of God. And if you know, we could only start our youth group because we needed a female leader. And she was our female leader to help us launch our youth group. It turned from five kids in a couple years to we had like 50 going to Molokai. 
So this is, God provides what we need as a community and we listen to his voice. Amen? So we might not see it in the moment. And we might be, okay, God, the checkboxes aren't here. I don't see everything in this spiritual community. But if we had to commit to it, we realize I bring something to the table. I love how this quote says that I, if I see a problem in the community, I'm going to be part of the solution. I'm not going to bounce. Amen? Everybody can commit to that this morning? Amen. Amen. You're like, what, Pastor Mark, are you locking us in? Yep, locked and loaded. You guys are staying here. But for real, and let me just say this on a real note, if there's a problem in our community, please talk to us. We love to hear concerns. Honestly, we love to hear feedback. We love to catch cracks when we need to catch cracks as leadership because we have to because this is what the Bible demands of us is that we would sharpen each other. Amen? So we thank you for that. So the... Sorry, so let's jump over to Matthew 10. Matthew 10 says this, Go and announce to them, The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. And it says this, Freely you have received, so freely give. We are not in a take, Is this church good for me? Is this community? Is this small group good for me? We're not in the, Is this good for me business? We're in the, God has given me, so I'm giving back business. Amen? This is our paradigm. God has given me, I got so much to give. Amen? So let's give back. Let's be a part. Let's be a working member of the body. And then the last sort of piece of mana'o for truth about your, this spiritual family, this thing we call the church, the spiritual community, is that it's built intentionally. It's, it's built intentionally. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes a lot of blunders. We mess things up. One of my favorite things is over the years is seeing people hurt each other, hurt by each other. They had a fence from each other in the church leave and everybody's angry and then there's some reconciliation everyone comes back and that's my absolute favorite thing to say because it reminds me that the presence of god is in our house amen because it's easy the world says when everybody has offended you just defriend them that's the right that's like the millennial call like oh if someone offends me i'm defriending them i'm not following you anymore i'm out and we just kind of like storm away god has given the church the reconciliation ministry of reconciliation meaning that this is the place where people come together when they've been torn apart. There's something unifying and healing that happens in spiritual community. So we want to practice this together. We want to walk through these things together. And I love when reconciliation happens because, again, it just reminds me, like, man, Holy Spirit is doing something in this place. But I want to say a couple things. Number one is that spiritual community is not the same as just having friends. It is this. This is, this is my words. God downloaded this one to me a couple days ago. He says, What's, how do we define a spiritual community? It's people with a shared purpose in a shared place at the shared pace, right? I'll say that again. Shared people with a shared purpose, a shared place at a shared pace, meaning we slow down when others need to catch up. We hurry up when people are calling us forward. We move at the same pace. We share space together, whether it's at our dining tables, whether it's leaning on the back of a truck, meeting at Starbucks, whatever it is, we share space together. We have to share. We share breath together. And then we share the same purpose, that all of us have been called according to his purpose, that God is doing an amazing work in this world, and you and I are both a part of the body that's going to see that come through. Isn't that amazing? This is the calling. So we have the same purpose. We just need to get the place and the pace back together, and I believe God is going to do something new in our community. Amen? Amen. So let me just finish by saying there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is nothing here in my heart that says like, hey, we've been doing it wrong. It's more to say this, that God has so many bigger things ahead. And can we commit together as a community 
to work things out in love, to sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron, and to see us walk in the godly calling that each one of us has. Amen? Worship team is coming, and here's what I'd like you to do is spend the next few minutes. It's hard to talk about community and not just kind of do something to actually exercise that. So the two purposes of, of a godly community is number two things that happen to us spiritually. Number one, we get exposed. We let people in, and people see inside of our hearts and inside of our lives, and we let people in to help sharpen us, and we encourage others. Amen? This is the two big, the two big E's of, of spiritual community. We expose to each other, and we encourage one another. So I'd love to say, spend the next five minutes, if you could just turn around where you are in your seats and just pray for one another. And if there's an encouraging word you want to give somebody, if there's something you need to share, like you need to expose something that's in your heart, be like, I'm struggling with this. Can we pray and encourage each other together this morning? Can we do that? So turn into little circles, and we're just going to pull it like this for the next five minutes. And just be, feel free to open, open up your heart, share with one another. And remember that this is a safe place. This is a house of grace. Grace covers all of us. No one is better than the other in this house. The world, God sees us all the same, and we're all loved by him. So let's just walk in his grace and pray for one another.
just give you about one minute to finish up your prayers. Can I ask everybody to stand? We're going to pray together. And um, kind of you think about when a couple renews their vows. They recommit a commitment they've already made. And so we honor that there's been a commitment made here for people to be in this community. And again, this has nothing to do with New Hope Kailua. This has everything to do with you being an active part of the lives of the people that God has put in your life. Amen? So it's about us. It's about the people, not the building. And so we're going to renew that. If you would bow your heads with me. Can I ask, as I pray, would you repeat after me? We're just going to recommit ourselves to people, to loving, to praying for, to caring for, to, to just dying ourselves to, putting ourselves to death on behalf of others in our own community as Christ has called us to. So bow your heads. Jesus, we bow as one church here this morning. And with everybody repeating after me, I'll say this. We commit our lives to you. We commit our lives to this church. It's not about the program, but it's about the people in this community. Jesus, we give ourselves as love offerings to one another. Help us, Jesus, to love like you loved to care for those who need it most and to be an active member of this body. Jesus, forgive us for offenses we've taken. Help us to forgive others the way you've forgiven us. Jesus, may we contribute to a culture of grace in this house. And Jesus, may all of the oneness you bring together be for your kingdoms alone. Jesus, in your name we pray, in the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Give a good God to the this morning. Amen. I remember when Jesus was going up to heaven and he said, as I leave, remember my one ask is that you would be one, that each one of us would be so connected to one another that we would be as one. People would see you as one as I'm one with the Father. So may this be true as we worship him one more time. Let's give our hands up as we worship God. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. You can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you 
and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.